Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. We have been on a really uh, a step-by-step pathway of looking into how we can be renewed in such a time as this, how our minds can be renewed, how we live and move and have our being in Christ. And then the aspect of it that uh, Paul said, look, you have a new life. Your minds need, need to be renewed in that. You're not renewing the new life. You're not bringing Christ back into you. You're reminding yourself of who you already are. That was said to me this morning. You have already been created in Christ, brand new. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You're a new creation. When you don't spend time renewing your mind in that, old patterns of ways of thinking and then behaviors follow suit. Um, one way of talking about it is to is to say strongholds. That's what that's how the scripture refers to it. I refer to it as mindsets because that's really what it reminds me of. Our minds get set in a certain way, and it's amazing because you can really be on an incredible journey and have blocked learning is another way of describing this. A blocked learner does this. They keep doing things the same way, expecting different results. That's what a blocked learner is. I, you know, I do it this way because that's the way I do it. And you can, I don't know if you, you know, first of all, you are that person. But second of all, we all have these. It's not like a default, like, oh, there's something really wrong with you if you have mindsets. That's why he said to have your mind renewed that breaks up those stronghold issues those mindsets most of the spiritual warfare that we've been taught uh, you know and it sounds like I'm attacking or criticizing the church I'm not I love the church but one of the ways that we've been taught is to yell at devils and I understand there's a there can be a time and place for that. I'm not putting that type of ministry down or anything. But everything's either about the devil or it's about my sin. And so we and we personify both of them. We personify devils. We we make sin bigger than God. We have we have programs and books and teachings how to how to deal with your sin. You will never be successful dealing with your sin. You weren't meant to deal with sin. That's why it ruined your life. You will never conquer sin. You died to sin. <laughs> you're dead to it. It's, gone. it's actually the power of it's gone in your life if you're in Christ. You died to sin. You were made alive to Christ. And so when we do that, it doesn't do anything to renew the mind and actually do something that... Uh, exerts authority over your old patterns of thinking of all the things that can creep up and we're going to look today we're going to focus on what's I've titled it this but the orphan mindset I have conquered this thing in my life 
and I have to conquer this thing in my life. It's so weird. Someone who I am so convinced of the Father's love. I so relate to God as my Father. And He has so nurtured me and taken me on a journey and I can still go back to old ways of thinking and, and it's being an orphan again. And I'll show you that in a little bit. But look at this scripture because this is like the foundational scripture for entering into how do I grow? Don't... And we all do this. Don't you despise yourself a little bit when you fall into the old trap? Whether it's a way of thinking about yourself or a way of viewing yourself with other people, you notice it immediately and you go, oh, you know, I, I always want to pull a Star Trek thing. So this is one of my favorite characters from the original Star Trek, and that's Admiral Fishface. Do you, do you know the guy I mean? Admiral Akbar is actually his name. And he's the fish head that goes, it's a trap, you know, when they're going to go attack the Death Star. That's what I, immediately, because of learning some of these concepts, listen, when I start to go there immediately, guess what I hear? It's a trap. And I go, wait, 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 renew your mind. This is who you are. I was taught always to stand against sin until I couldn't get a hold of me. Well, it didn't work. What it was is my mindset that was saying, I will find more pleasure in that than I will in my God. Oh, now that's completely different. If, I, if my pleasure is in God, you talk about spiritual warfare. Look at this. Let's read it again. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, what you know to be true of God, bringing every thought. That's why we know it's here. It's not talking about bring, bringing the world to, you know, bringing this or stopping that or don't open a door for the devil. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Your minds are straying and you bring your thoughts back to what Jesus obeyed. To the obedience of Christ, not to Christ. Do you see what it's actually saying here? Because it's, it's huge. It's not the obedience, it's the obedience of Christ. This is what he did on your behalf. He didn't just die, he rose. And when he did that, listen, he obeyed for you and I. He didn't obey to be perfect, he was perfect. He obeyed so this could be our portion. So that when I received his life, I received everything that obeyed to it. So that makes, that con that's a difficult concept, but if you can get that, it changes how you deal with the gunk in your life. It changes how you wrestle with it, what you say to yourself. And you can start recognizing some really strong patterns. And it's about freedom. 
We've looked at this before. I'm not going to bring it back up. But Ephesians 4.20, it's about our minds are renewed so that we're free in Christ. And every aspect of our freedom was accomplished by Jesus. You're not trying to attain freedom by your thinking or your actions. You're receiving the freedom that Christ did. This is stunning. This is me. You mean that's a gift? Yes! Your ability to think a renewed life is a gift from God. Given to you in the new covenant. He, did, he made a covenant with his father so that you could receive it. Now if you get that, I try to do it this way because it helped me understand this. So English lit major so I understand grammar a little bit. Doesn't mean you're good at it. Grammar is very difficult. It's like algebra, only not for numbers, for ideas and concepts. But in breaking down a sentence, in the new covenant, you are not the subject. You are the object. The subject is God. God so loved the world that he gave his life that whosoever, the object of the receiving, believed in him would have eternal life. This was, the new covenant is between God the Father and God the Son and he goes, here, and it's for you. What do I have to do to to have that? Receive it. That's salvation. I'm receiving the life of God. We have been taught, and this is actually, this is a lie. Come and give your life to the Lord. Most of you got saved that way. Now, are you coming against that? Yeah, sort of. Because the concept sounds really good, but you see it put you as the subject matter. Salvation is not you giving your life to the Lord. Salvation is God gave his life to you. And he planted it in you. You have resurrected life inside of you now. That's a stunning thing that starts going on the mind and starts going, whoop, whoop. And you start thinking big, hairy, audacious things. Like sin has no dominion over me. Instead of exalting the sin, tell me what you're struggling with today, brother, in an accountability group. Why? I'm not struggling with anything. I'm living my life in God. Don't make that, don't glorify what's been dealt with. Glorify who's dealing with you. This, I got one yes out of it. Here's what we don't do with it. We don't and haven't, and that's why I want to teach this, we haven't been taught how to take full advantage of the freedom that God has given us. We keep going to find the freedom instead of living in the freedom and taking advantage of it. There's some things that you were designed to take advantage of. Is Christ in you? It was designed by God not to abuse it, but to use it. And it's the enemy wants the focus of your life to be dying on self. I know that's a popular teaching. 
He would love for you to focus on how you're trying to crucify your flesh. By the way, have you ever looked at the concept of that symbolically? To crucify yourself? Okay, let me do it here. I have to drop the mic. Let me see. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, well, I'll just hang on over here. You can't crucify the flesh. It has been crucified in Christ. Yes. He did it. Yes. That's not a good... You can't do that. He wants you to do it by your own efforts. He will rejoice. He'll let you yell at Him all day long. Get away from me, enemy. <clears throat> okay. What you forgot is Christ in me, enemy. Now there, that was that prayer that was prayed this morning. That's completely different. <sighs> By focusing on that, the, en the enemy delights in it because he guarantees your failure and he's quick to condemn you for it. I was tempted by the devil to do this. Well, that's on the left hand. On the right hand, he condemns you. <sighs> your new life in Christ frees you from that cycle. It's a death cycle. It's a life sentence. It's found in, in Romans 2 that you are no longer under the law of sin and death. It doesn't have authority over you. And you've been made alive to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He enacted a greater law that took away the previous. This is stunning. So we keep trying to deal with this and it doesn't bring any freedom because over here when I focus on this, I have freedom. I am not bound. I can't seem to stop doing it. What? <laughs> well, as long as you're focused on the doing it, no, you won't stop doing it. Focus on your new life in Christ and all those things start falling off of you. It, it's, it's stunning. God wants you to enter into an accelerated experience of joy and peace that's accomplished by the work of what He did. There's an accelerated joy. I was just speaking to somebody yesterday and, uh, about the work of going into ministry and the joy of ministry. There's no joy in ministry. Are you kidding me? There's no joy in that. There's work in that just like any other work. Do you, do you, have, you know, we want, we're looking for some sort of sense of fulfillment. I'll go into vocational ministry so I'll feel fulfilled and have joy in my life. No, you won't. You'll have headache, heartache, and other people's pain. My joy is in Christ, not in the work of ministry. It will never, now, is there fulfillment? Yes, but the fulfillment is in Christ. It's right there. My joy, if my joy is dependent on my work with you, that sucks. Because <laughs> you all have problems. It's depressing. 
It's anguishing. And if you just listen to me and do what I said, you'd be okay. It's like being Bob Newhart. In his old show where he's a psychologist, the therapist, right? person keeps coming. He said, oh, I can solve your problems with two words. Stop it. But the life is found not in trying to doing that in ministry or in anything that we do. The life is found in sharing Christ. Well, I share the life of Christ. Now I've heard it say share the word or share the salvation. When I share Christ with somebody and the power of resurrected life, now I've got joy. And when the aha look comes in their face and go, oh, and, oh, I forgot that. Or, oh, I've never seen that. Or, oh my gosh, is that real? Now I've got joy. But it's in Christ. Every aspect of your not new life in Jesus has a divine advantage. Nope. Well, it's sort of a play on words here. You have a trump card. A big one. There's a whole bunch of them. One of the biggest ones I can think of is Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Period. Talk about a trump card in life. You have a newness advantage every time. And because it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. So, here's your freedoms. The first is this. You are dead to sin. That's what you have to... Your mind tells you you're still alive to it. Your, your fleshly mind will get attracted to it and you'll say, uh -huh. yeah, I'll get more pleasure from that than I will from God. It's a lie. It, it lies to you. Your first freedom is that no longer has life in it. It's dead. Uh, this is gross, but sinning is like rubbing dead fish carcasses over your body. Have you ever handled dead fish that have been dead for a day or two? They stink really bad. That's what, that's what it did. But you're dead to that. You don't have a sense of attachment to that. It has no hold on you. You are not bound in sin and trespass. You were bound. Paul teaches it over and over again. Who can inherit the kingdom of God? We know that adulterer da, 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 will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he actually used that scripture to beat up other Christians who fall into sin. But they're not that anymore. They are not that anymore. They're not identified that. How do you know that? By the next verse, because it says of which some of you were. Some of you were bound to those things. You're not bound to that anymore. I'm not bound to it. What happens if it happens? I'm not bound to it. It's already been paid for and I can get set free from it. And I can stay free from it. I was designed to stay free because that's the second part of this. Your second freedom is that you are alive in Christ. I 
have a new life. Nurture it. Feed it. Water it. Tell other people about it. It's really strange, but the more you tell other people about your new life, the more your new life starts having an effect on you. The more, and not to witness to people, the more you talk in terms of, this is what I found to be true, and you start sharing about the life that's in you, you don't have to try to get them saved. That's the Lord's work. You can't save anybody. Did you notice that? When I try and tell people what to do, I actually had somebody years ago in the church say, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I said, no, you won't. It didn't work for Moses and his followers. How's that going to work? You won't do what I tell you to do. And when you do and it messes up and didn't turn out the way you thought it would, guess who you're going to blame? There's the joy of ministry again. <laughs> Stick it to the guy that told me that. So no, I won't tell you what to do. I'll show you how to live. I will live this life before you with all its mistakes, blemishes, weird sense of humor, quotations from old movies that I like. With all, I will do all of that and I will live it in front of you openly and full of life. I am alive to God. It is my freedom. When I consider myself dead to sin and alive to Christ, he who is dead is free. Have you ever pinched a dead person when you went to a funeral? Now there's something. Now all the kids are going to go, next time I go to a funeral. Just go up. Just sneak up there and just you know, reach in the casket and give them a little pinch. Pinch them real hard. Like, you know, give them one of them. I guarantee you they will not utter a squeak. They will not tell you to stop it unless you had the power to raise them from the dead. They won't, and then they're no longer dead. That, the dead, dead men don't squeak when they're pinched. Don't make a noise. They just... It is so deeply, it's funny, but it's so deeply true. You actually are not struggling through this life. You're getting to live this life. There may be struggles in the life, but you're not struggling through it. Do you see the difference? When you start practicing being alive to God, then when the struggles come up, what do you apply to it? Come on, go there with me. When struggles come up in your life, what are you called to apply to it? Jesus, the life of Christ. I don't know what I'm going to do with all these problems. Christ. You don't know what I'm going through. I don't need to. I know what he went through and he obeyed. And so what you've been given is the power and the authority to go through it, not to struggle with it, but to find out what God's going to do. It's such a different approach. I heard that in that prayer this morning. 
let's find out what God's going to do. So I had an experience uh, just a little over a year ago. <laughs> and it, it was a dream and what our experience is, I don't know. But in, in it, the Lord came to me. It's too long to go into all this morning. But in it, one of the things that he invited me into, he kept telling me that he, he's got this. Because I was going through a transition of life. And that he had every aspect of my life from finances to relationships and all this. And he said something very telling to me that I'm struggling through. <laughs> that I'm dealing with. And it's this. Don't be overly concerned with the politics of men. This was over a year ago that he told me that. What's everybody concerned with right now? The politics of men. And he didn't say don't be concerned at all. He just said, don't be overly concerned with the politics of men. He said, I've got this. Man, every time I get mad at... I'm not going to tell you who. <laughs> I've been mad at a lot of them. Then I remember, I keep bringing myself back to this strong... That's the life of Christ in me. The life of Christ is in me saying... Buddy, I got this. Don't overly concern. You really think how you're concerned about it is going to make a change? Vote. But do you think other than voting that you're going to have the final say on the matter? No, I would love to. If I were the king of the forest. <sighs> but I'm not. But I am alive in Christ. And the Spirit of God dwells in me. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Yes. Now I have authority to deal with all the concerns I have with that freedom. Is this making sense? It's so important that you focus on the life of Christ. His life becomes preeminent. That means it has first place in all of our circumstances. So instead of making the circumstances big, I make Christ. I give him first place. So this is what I, so one of my old disciples, a man who discipled me, I went to him one time, I was a young man in my early 20s, and I was telling him all the circumstances I was dealing with, and I said, well, he said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, under the circumstances, he said, there you go, there's the answer. I went, what? And he said, you're under the circumstances. He said, you're not seeing yourself seated in heavenly places above the circumstances. He said, so it's all a matter of positioning. I went, I walked away going, hmm, that pretty smart guy. He was a pretty smart guy. There's lots of stories to tell from that, but this living's perspective, you are given a newness advantage. Boy, I'm just not going to get very far on this today. I hope what I'm getting to you works, though. Let me tell you something with your newness advantage. What the cross was for Jesus will never be for you. For him, the cross was pain and anguish and suffering and death. His death was death to sin once for all. For us, his cross is joy. 
because it's been accomplished. His cross is peace. I have peace because of that. It's presence. It's life. And it's freedom. Because of the cross, you are free to abound in joy of his constant presence. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. What if I stumble and fall into sin? He doesn't go away. Isn't that a stunning concept? I was taught the minute I even got tempted, the Holy Spirit would lift off me like a dove and flutter away. No, he doesn't. He's right there going, buddy, you're forgetting who you are. That doesn't have authority in your life. When that concept changed, that he wasn't dismayed at my wrong thinking. He wasn't, oh, get this concept. He's not disappointed in you. He's not disillusioned with you. He's not discouraged over you. You haven't defamed him. He won you into newness of life and you're going to give one sin the authority to be bigger than him he died for it already once for all how big is God in your life think through this how big do you want him to be focus on his life how how, how big is God he's big And it says that in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily and he gave himself to you. Every right concept that comes out of God's thinking is available to you. Oh, beloved, if you could just receive that. Every right way to view yourself is already made alive to you in Christ. In Hebrews it says, this was given through a new covenant that he made with the Father to give to you, the orphan. That's what we're going to talk about next. And it takes your orphanhood into son or daughter. It removes it. You've been, you've been adopted. It breaks the orphan mentality. And we have a mentality. And oh, is it set? And are they strongholds? So I just want to I want to pray for you that you take advantage of what he's done. This week when it comes up say it's a temptation to smart off to your parents. No, you'd never do that. And just as you're getting ready to say the, the, and you're thinking don't tell me what to do The Lord says, oh, son, submit. And when you do this, I have a plan that's going to take you through something that you have no idea where your feet are going and the people you're going to affect and the life you're going to get to live and the joy that you're going to have in it. Oh, And it's not just for somebody young. It's for all of us. I'm not done yet. I have a few Joe Biden moments every once in a while. But I'm not done yet. I have a few Donald Trump moments too. You know. 
where my bellicose personality takes over. You have to look up what bellicose means. It's not done. And I want to invite you to take advantage of it and make it practical this week. What, and let me ask it this way, what are you trying to protect yourself from? The ways of the world? You're not bound by them. What if you focused your thoughts on who Christ is in you? What it's like? Instead of, we did this in our group this morning, instead of asking the old question, what would Jesus do? Ask the question this way, what are you doing? Not what would you do, what are you doing in me? I, I take all my thoughts captive to who you are in me. It, you have such advantage and we don't use it such advantage. Use it. Use it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yes, you will come off as a crazy person to other people. Yep. Those who have not received Christ will not understand a word coming out of your mouth until revelation hits them. And it's that season that Jesus brings his salvation into their life. then you can be a bird set free. <sighs> I've never known this kind of freedom until now, and each day it's new and grows. I don't know how else to explain it to you. I got set free and I've been getting more set free and more set free and more set free. And the more I'm set free, the more I see Jesus and Lloyd and Lloyd and Jesus. And the more that freedom works, the less I see the orphan. A kid who got abandoned. A kid whose parents died. Didn't know the whole journey was God trying to rescue me out of that. As a young man in my 20s, and I'll close with this, and he, even up until the time I, well, this happened when I was about around 32, I prayed for a spiritual father because that was the energy that was going about the church at the time. Send, you know, we need to be spiritual fathers. And, you had to, and there's good things about mentoring. There's no doubt about it. I was out in my garden telling I was praying to the Lord he'd just bring a spiritual father into my life. And he whispered back to me. He said a devastating thing. Am I not enough for you? Whew. He already was my spiritual father. And I was looking at it through earthly eyes. Thinking I had to have some other man tell me don't do that. When the Holy Spirit was right there going, Son, do this. He didn't focus too much on don't do that. All of his focus was on, Son, do this. <laughs> it worked. 
He got me. He caught me. I'm his. It worked. He rescued me. I'm Psalm 40. This poor man cried out. He rescued me. He took me out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock. And I will tell everybody I can. And many shall hear and worship God. I love Psalm 40. Jesus, I pray right now that the newness advantage would come to our hearts. And we would get to start seeing how to renew our minds with this, to re actually put on Christ, to clothe ourselves in the majesty of your being and the understanding so that I'm nicer to my kids and my wife and my husband and my granddaughter. So I understand my parents who just don't make any sense right now. So I don't push ahead of you. I stay right in that channel of where you are. Where you are, I am. And where I am, you are. You gave a promise just as you were in the Father and the Father was in you. So you would be in us. I ask that that reality would be our portion this week. Me and you. You and me. Doing it together. Partnered. Partnered for life. You are my father. I am your son. I am your daughter. And I want to close on this prayer with saying one thing. God, wow. Or I s <laughs> Beck couldn't sing it loud enough. Wow. That's just wow. I receive it. I receive it in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, now, now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.